matter who you are or where you are on life's journey. In addition to the scripture that we already heard told this morning, uh, the story of Jesus walking on the water, we have another version of the feeding of the multitudes. This is called Loaves and Fishes, and it is written as though it is from the point of view of the child who brought forward the bread and the fish, which happens in uh, John's Gospel. Here's how this story is reimagined for us this morning. Many people walked a great distance over the hills to see Jesus. A young girl named Anna and her mother had left their home before the sun was up. As she stood on the hill where Jesus was teaching, Anna looked all around, and she could see people in every direction. It was like being in a sea of people. Anna felt lucky to be close enough to Jesus to hear his voice clearly and to see his eyes. Anna had never before seen eyes that held that much love. She felt her stomach growl with hunger. It had been a long day of walking. Anna looked over to the basket of food that was sitting next to her mother on the grass. There were some loaves of barley bread and there were two little fish that Anna had caught sitting there in that basket. Maybe her mother would offer her dinner soon. Anna knew she shouldn't ask. That little basket was all that they had until they went home again, and she didn't know when that might be. As she was thinking about food, Anna suddenly realized that the man called Philip was talking with Jesus about food too. Anna could hear the concern in Philip's voice as he said, even if we could buy bread out here somewhere, there's not enough money to feed all of these people. Anna knew that was true. Jesus was poor like most of the people here. He probably didn't have enough food for himself, and he certainly couldn't take care of a huge crowd like this. Anna looked at the basket that held her dinner. There was just enough there for her mother and herself. That wouldn't be any help. But Anna knew she couldn't sit and eat dinner while Jesus and all the others went hungry. She ran across the grass to her mother, and she grabbed the basket. Leaning close to her mother, Anna whispered, Mother, Jesus needs food to feed all these hungry people. Can we please share the fish and the bread that you packed for us? Her mother looked puzzled and then a bit amused. And then she smiled and said, of course, give the basket to Jesus. Anna quickly carried the basket to one of Jesus' companions, and she boldly pulled on the man's rope to get his attention. The tall, bearded man looked down at Anna with surprise, but then he smiled gently, and he asked, What do you need, child? We want to share the food in our basket. Could you please tell Jesus that we have some food? Anna explained eagerly. The man immediately picked up the basket and moved closer to where Jesus sat on the high point of the hill. Master, or teacher, a young girl has offered her dinner to share. There are five loaves and two fish in this basket, he announced a bit doubtfully. Anna was a little embarrassed to hear herself mentioned. But Jesus smiled when he heard what the man named Andrew said. 
he instructed his disciples to reassure the crowd of people and to tell everyone to sit on the grass. Then he took the basket from Andrew, and he offered up a prayer of thanksgiving. Jesus rose from his place, and he looked over at Anna. Anna saw those eyes of love again, and she didn't feel a bit hungry. And then Jesus walked into the sea of people with the basket in his hand, and Anna ran back to her mother's side. After a time, the basket was passed to her mother, who took out enough bread and fish for their dinner. The basket wasn't empty, so she handed it to a man who sat nearby. And then Anna lost track of the basket as she gratefully ate the good bread and the salty fish. She noticed that everyone around her was eating as well. As the people finished their meal, Jesus spoke to them again, and Anna listened to his strong, gentle voice while the sun began to set behind the hills. The companions pulled up baskets of leftover bread and fish at their teacher's feet. Anna could count 12 baskets, all full of broken loaves of barley bread and pieces of little fish, just like the one that she had caught. She couldn't figure it out. Did Jesus feed all of the people out of her basket? Did others share their food so there was enough to feed everyone? She decided she didn't want to think too hard. Her stomach was full, but her heart was even more full of happiness. That question that Anna asks in the story Uh, What really happened that day is no doubt a question that many of us have asked in some way. When we were repackaging the beans for the R Center a couple weeks ago, we had read a different version of this story. And several people were talking about it as we were taking these huge quantities of beans and portioning them out. In some ways, the bread and the fish might be uh, something like a potluck, somebody said. Everybody bringing their stuff and discovering that there is enough. Others see it as a miracle, a sign, the way that John proclaims it in his gospel, something that we can't explain, but that happened. And either way, whatever side you come down on or... Maybe if, like me, you're more of a both-and kind of person, the importance of the story is what it asks of us and how we see the world. Is there enough to go around or not? Who gets to contribute to and who gets to benefit from the kingdom of God? And what kind of people are we going to be? Those who share or those who hoard. October uh, nationally is designated as Disability Awareness Employment Month, paying attention to the people who have paved the way for all people of different abilities to live more fully into their work and their calling. And here in the United Church of Christ, we designate one Sunday each October as Access Awareness Sunday. It's a day where we, too, get to pay attention to the many and varied gifts 
of all people. And so we celebrate the pioneers in this movement, but we also ask, how is God calling us to continue this work of making our churches in particular and the world in general accessible and welcoming to all people? It's in the spirit of asking those questions that I invited Jennifer Peck to talk with us this morning about her experiences of living with a traumatic brain injury. And she's going to tell you more about that happened and what that's like, but pay a special attention to the ways that we can help her and others live more fully into who God is calling them to be in this time. Hello. Uh, while a good number of you may already know me, I will say again that my name is Jennifer Peck, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I have been attending the UCC a little over a year. Um, I live in Longmont in a townhome paid for with part of the money from the settlement. The settlement is the money that came to me um, a while after the car accident that caused my TBI. TBI, a TBI is a traumatic brain injury, and it is my invisible disability. The, the government agreed that I have a disability, so now I am on Medicare and I receive SSDI, which is Social Security Disability Insurance, deposits once a month. So briefly, I'll just let you know that the car accident I was in occurred on November 7th, 2017, so almost three years ago, as I was driving north out of Boulder on Highway 36, and a driver in a truck crossed over the center line and hit me just about head on. And then another driver came along in a sedan and hit my car from behind. So good thing my airbags deployed, probably saved my life. Um, although I was in a coma for about three or four days and a, I think a respirator or a ventilator, I'm not sure which one it's called, but something that helped me breathe. Um, and then what happened? I'm lost on my piece of paper. No worries, we'll cut this part out. Pick up where you find it. <laughs> okay. All right, so I was on a ventilator for a few days and then moved around from hospitals in Boulder until I was placed down at Spalding Acute um, Inpatient Rehab Center in Aurora, which is the first memory that I have. Um, perhaps it's good that I don't remember the accident itself. Um, my body does, however. So I have a TBI and some other injuries to my body. Uh, the challenges that this injury has given me include my, um, my memory function isn't as good as it used to be, so I document everything I do on my phone and on my laptop, even when I take a shower. <laughs> I put my car keys in the same place inside of my home as well as my masks. And for those of you who may know a little bit about the brain, um, I had injury to the medial prefrontal cortex, diffuse axonal injury, 
<clears throat> also known as DAI, and it's kind of like shaken baby syndrome. And I had injury to my left parietal lobe. As for my body, I also have some shoulder and neck issues that are new to me. Um, other things that are different for me is that I'm a lot more sensitive to noises and find a lot of sounds to be really loud and triggering to my nervous system, especially like when I hear cars or trucks with those loud mufflers and they like speed by me. I, I just kind of, I jump a little bit. Um, I think it's sort of a, like a startle reflex. And perhaps ironically, I also need people to speak up a little bit at times. Um, I have mild depression and anxiety, which isn't really that new. I've had a little bit of mild depression and anxiety for a bit of my life, and um, but now a little bit of post-traumatic stress. Um, my spelling and my grammar have suffered, <laughs> and so my ability to write a word correctly. Sometimes I'm I'm writing something and I have to cross it out a few times just to get it right. And I can't remember how to spell things, so I look things up in the dictionary, like the word weird and the word pretty. I was like, is that really how you spell weird? Is that really how you spell pretty? And yeah, simple words, right? Not so simple to me <laughs> now. Um, I do get a little bit more irritated than I did previously, and I work to calm myself down and focus on the task at hand, especially if I'm driving. At home, I am knitting, watching too much on Netflix. <laughs> I do some cooking, listening to the radio, dance around my, my living room and my kitchen when I'm doing chores and organizing. I like to write letters, kind of into snail mail these days. Um, but I also text friends and family and email people, and I volunteer when I'm able to do so. Some of you know I've volunteered at the Hour Center um, with the church. While I have improved a lot over the last three years, I still have challenges to meet and hopefully to overcome. Um, I'm currently unemployed, like so many millions of others, and while I am still a bilingual licensed clinical social worker, I have had a hard time finding a part-time job in that area. I'm also a licensed massage therapist with liability insurance, and it seems like perhaps that is what I will be doing for a while as I continue to recover. So, if I repeat myself or I forget what you just told me, please forgive me and help me to make light of it. <laughs> While my sense of humor isn't quite so astute as it used to be, I do love to laugh. Um, I look forward to being in the sanctuary where I am right now um, with the congregation again at some point and attending those sweet little like dinner parties that we had started last year. Um, and if you have any questions or want to chat about any of this, let me know. I may have some of the same questions that you do, but hopefully I'll also have some answers. Thank you. I have um, been privileged to get to talk with Jennifer a bit, as I know that many, or at least some of you have in her time here um, at UCC Longmont before we moved to this online format. And I'm so grateful for the openness with which she is willing to talk about this journey and the shift that it has meant for her. 
uh, in her lifetime. So I hope that that came across to all of you, um, the the, uh, unedited sense of being who we are in the world, whoever that is, is a gift to be around. Um, One of the changes, the shifts that has happened in culture and in the church in general is this recognition, uh, when you look through our history, our UCC history of disability ministries, one of the things you see is this change in language. And it's a shift from disability ministries to what we have now, which is Access Sunday. And that is an important recognition of the way that the world needs to be healed in order for all people to be fully embraced. The idea isn't so much anymore that we are ministering to people, but that we are doing what we need to do to be the kind of place where all people can come. And I heard that in Jennifer's uh, wonderful sharing of her experience. And we're going to hear it again in a minute in a story uh, that I'm going to read. But I want to say one thing first, which is after we finished recording, uh, Jennifer asked if we could be sure to thank her mom for coming alongside of her in this time and helping her to navigate not just the physical care that she needed in the wake of the injury, but this ongoing legal and medical process that you heard her talking about. And it it fits well, um, in part because we all want to and need to express our gratitude, but to me it is such a reminder of the personal ways that we can help one another and help them continue to be fully the people of God that they are called to be. So I have, I pre-recorded so that I can share this in our Facebook group as well, uh, me reading a story that's called Awesomely Emma. It's fairly new. Um, If you can get your hands on it, it is worth having and reading with uh, any people in your house. But I will put this same video in our closed Facebook group. Today I'm reading this book called Awesomely Emma, and this book is by Amy Webb, and it is illustrated by uh, Miralee Lydiard. And we are able to use this book for our streaming worship service today, uh, thanks to a permission from Beaming Books. Emma loved making art. Drawing, painting, collaging, she loved it all. Besides being a great artist, Emma was good at making people laugh, and she loved her family, especially her big sister, Chloe. Emma also had limb differences. She had no hands and used a wheelchair to get around. Her disability was part of who she was. Emma looked at her drawing and said, no bodies are wrong, all bodies are right. We're all different colors, sizes, and heights. My body works differently. I love being me because me is an awesome thing to be. One day at school, Emma's class was going to the art museum. They could hardly wait. I hope I can find something by my favorite artist, Matisse, Emma said. Did you know he used a wheelchair 
just like me? That's so cool, said Charlie. Wow, said Hazel. You know a lot about art, said Porter. Emma beamed. Soon, the bus came. Emma waited for a wheelchair lift to get her chair onto the bus. Her friends waited with her so they could all sit together. When they got to the museum, Emma didn't see a ramp for her wheelchair. Emma's teacher said, we'll have to go around back where the ramp is. We'll meet the rest of the class inside. Emma's smile faded and Charlie gave her a sad look. She wanted to go to the front door with everyone else. Emma felt frustrated, but she silently reminded herself, my body works differently. I love being me because being me is an awesome thing to be. Once inside, Emma felt better as she zoomed all over the museum looking at art with her friends. Each piece was a different size, shape, and color and was beautiful in its own way. Look, said Emma, it's a Matisse. Emma beamed while everyone gazed up at the beautiful art. Maybe someday her art would be in the museum. Suddenly, Charlie grabbed the back of Emma's chair. Here, Emma, let me push you around. Emma frowned. Please don't grab my chair without asking. I like to drive myself. Then at lunch, Charlie grabbed Emma's backpack and set out her lunch for her. Uh, thanks, said Emma. You're welcome, said Charlie. Finally, as the class took a break to draw and Emma was getting out of her chair to sketch on the floor, Charlie quickly grabbed her and tried to help her down. Now, Emma felt mad. Charlie, stop that. Why are you trying to do everything for me? Charlie's face fell. I was just trying to help. I felt bad that you can't do everything that everyone else can do. I thought about all the other things that you can't do. Suddenly, Emma understood. Charlie was trying to help, but he wasn't helping. He was making Emma feel small. Emma took a deep breath and said, no bodies are wrong, all bodies are right. We're all different colors, sizes, and heights. Yes, my body works differently, and I love being me, because me is an awesome thing to be. Charlie sat down next to Emma. I know you're awesome, Emma, but you do have a disability, don't you? Having a disability doesn't mean my body is wrong. My body is just right. If I can't get in the front door, the museum should change, not me. Don't feel bad for me because I can't do everything you can do. It's okay. Besides, no one can do everything other people can do. You can't do back handsprings like Hazel or skateboard like Porter. That's true, said Charlie. I never thought of it that way. I can do a lot of things by myself, and I'll ask you when I need help, said Emma. 
I like driving my chair because I get to choose where to go. I like getting my own stuff because I am able to. Sometimes I like to do things just to show people I can. Like that time I milked the cow with my feet during our farm field trip, Farmer Joe almost fell off of his milking stool. Oh yeah, said Charlie. I remember that. Emma's friends all laughed. I'm sorry, said Charlie. I really was just trying to help. It's okay, said Emma. Emma looked at her sketch pad and pencils and then smiled really big. I know how you could help. Right there on the floor, Emma wrote a letter on her sketch pad. Everyone in the class signed, even Emma's teacher. Then they handed the letter to one of the museum workers. A few weeks later, Emma and her class received a letter. Dear Emma and friends, Thank you for your letter asking us to make the front door of the museum accessible to everyone. You're right. We'll start building a front door ramp right away. Thank you for teaching us that all bodies are right. From now on, our museum will be a place where all bodies are equally welcome. Best wishes, the museum. Everyone in Emma's class cheered. Emma beamed. She felt awesome. <laughs> We've been able to hear uh, two really powerful stories this morning about how people are living um, and living into their fullness, um, even with differences. I hope that those stories are inspiring to each of us, no matter what differences we are living with. Um, and that as we continue to reflect on this, we continue to think about the healing that is possible for individuals, but for communities and the ways that we are called to all become communities where all bodies are welcome. Um, Amy Webb, who wrote the book, does have a daughter with limb differences. So this is a fictional story, but it is part of the work that her family has been called into uh, in, this, in this new time for them. And so I offer that up because I think it adds to the power of the story that she's telling and the testimony that both Jennifer and Amy, through her work of fiction, are giving uh, to the ways that we all live more fully together. Let us continue our reflection in song. <laughs> 